And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Well, good morning. Amen. It's good to be back. Let's pray. Let's open in prayer. Father, man, I love that song we just sung, Father. Be Thou My Vision. It's one of my favorite hymns. And God, that's our prayer today. God, be our vision. Help us to see what you see. Help us to see what you see now in the Word, Father. Help us remember every time we open the Word of God, it's an encounter with you, the living God. As some of us today will be praying over this neighborhood and all the neighborhoods around this church, God, give us your vision. We just thank you for your grace. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to your house today to worship, to sing praises to you, God, just to just to come and just be a part of what you want to do in our lives today. So we come to meet with you, and we thank you for meeting with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's great to be home. Um, I always call this church home because this is where my roots are. And, um, and today's kind of really a special day for me. Um, I'm going to make some of you feel really old when I say this. <laughs> it's 50 years ago next month that I came to know Christ as a 10-year-old boy in this church. And um, never knew that as a 10-year-old boy that God would call me back to be a part of this church two different times on staff. And, and, and this church is uh, just a rich part of my spiritual heritage. And there are so many of you that are here today that God has used in my life um, for the past 50 years to help me grow in my faith. So, so I come very grateful today. Um, thank you, David, for the opportunity to come. And, and it's good to connect with Rick and Sherry Parks. Um, Rick serves on our board of directors at the rooftop and, and just a great friend and a great brother in the Lord. And we're going to have a great time today. I, I look forward to eating lunch with you afterwards because I, like many of you, like eating and I love food. And, um, and then I hope, you know, I hope many of you as possible will stay this afternoon as we, as we just spend a time asking God, God, what do you see when you see Crawfordville? What do you see when you see Wakulla County? Um, and we're just going to be asking God to take the, the scales of what is familiar off our eyes because we, we, I, did, I, did a, I did a rooftop encounter in, um, near Raleigh several years ago, and it was so funny. One of the guys that had lived in this little town near Raleigh for years came back, and we said, what did God show you? And he said, you know what? He says, I drive down this one road every day, and I've done it for years, and today as I walked it, I saw businesses I didn't even know existed. <laughs> And it's just amazing when you do that. So we're going to have a great, great time today. For those of you that may not have been here, the last time I was here, and you're wondering, what is the rooftop and who are we? Let me just give you a real quick, brief introduction, give you a few things I want you to be praying about for the ministry. Um, the rooftop is a global ministry. Go back to that slide there. It's a global ministry. We're now in 53 countries. I lead the work across North America. It's based on Acts 10, Peter on the rooftop, where he has this encounter with God. That's the basis of the rooftop encounter today. And God forever changes Peter's life as he gets a fresh vision of God's heart for the lost. And so our ministry is all about helping churches and helping Christians begin to get a fresh vision of God's heart for the places where they live, work, and play. And then to understand, how do I begin engaging these people in gospel conversation? 
conversations so I can make disciples who make disciples. And, and that, is, that is who we are, and that is the heartbeat of the rooftop as we work with churches literally all over the globe, and I have the opportunity to be in churches all over North America. And, and so let me just give you a few things to be praying about, things to update you on the ministry, as, as many of you have been praying for us. And, and so one of the things that just happened in January, we relaunched our program Rooftop Perspectives. Um, I did it as a teaching program last year. We show it on the Rooftop TV YouTube channel, on Facebook, um, Rooftop Facebook, my Facebook page. And, and, and now it's an interview program. So every week at 10 a.m., every Tuesday, we release a new episode. And we're just interviewing people who are joining Jesus in his mission every day. And, and just people like you that are just joining Jesus in their neighborhoods, joining Jesus at work. And we've had some great opportunities to talk to some, not just leaders, but, but just, just people, everyday people. Matter of fact, this Tuesday, we're actually interviewing um, a group of men. We recorded this video several months ago. It's, it's a group of men every Friday morning, about 25 men get together and just place somewhere out in Tennessee and they pray together and have breakfast together and live life together. And so we got five of them and we pulled them aside after one of those breakfasts and said, hey, just tell us about what God is doing. And so it's just a guy who's a farmer. You got a guy on there who's a contractor. And it's just these five guys talking about why they love Jesus and how prayer has changed their life and what God's doing. So we encourage you to be a part of that. Every Tuesday we release a new episode. Um, tonight um, I'll be at Florida State University having a campus encounter with Florida State and I'm excited about that. Be praying about that tonight as we meet with the BCM, the Baptist Campus Ministry at 6 o'clock and the Great Exchange is going to be with us which is an amazing ministry helping college students understand how do we engage people on campus with the gospel non-confrontationally and so we're going to be together tonight and then we're going to take all the students up on a on, on the top of a parking deck and just look out over the campus and say God move across Florida State and do a mighty work of revival and give us eyes to see the students through through your eyes and so we're we're really we're really excited about that as well um, coming up um, at the end of this month be praying for this this is our first America summit it's rooftop leaders coming together online and in person in San Diego from across Latin America and North America just talking about what God doing and and introducing pastors and leaders to the rooftop from across America so we're we're um, getting ready for that and then right after that event I'll be staying a few days and this is probably gonna be one of the most unique rooftop encounters I've done I'm doing a rooftop encounter in Hollywood California with a Hollywood prayer network and the Hollywood prayer network is made up of producers and directors and actors and everybody that's in the industry <laughs> of making movies and TV shows who are believers. There's about 10,000 that we know of Christians in Hollywood that are actively in the industry, being light, being salt. We're just finishing up taping a series for Rooftop Perspectives called um, Joining Jesus in Hollywood where I've sat down with a number of these people and said, just tell me about what is it like to be a believer in that culture. And man, it's some great interviews. But so we're going to be going, and um, CBS Television City has given us their facilities to have our rooftop encounter. Um, one of the presidents of CBS is a really strong Christian, and so he um, said, You're welcome. <laughs> Come. And so we're going to be at CBS Television City and just praying over Hollywood and praying for God to do an incredible, incredible work there. And all of that is leading to what um, Dave mentioned earlier the global encounter. 
10-2-22. It's very easy, 10-2-22. We're in about 100 countries on the same day. Christians will be gathering, doing what we're going to do this afternoon. And they're going to be looking out over their cities and prayer walking and just saying, God, give us your eyes. Help us to see what you see. And of all the things that I do with a rooftop, I would dare say the rooftop encounters is, is one of my favorite things to do. Um, and, and I think we have a slide of different pictures of just different rooftop encounters. And, and I love doing these. I've been doing these for the past seven years with the rooftop and just helping people begin to get that fresh vision of God's heart for their city. But what I've noticed many times when I do a rooftop encounter, one of the aspects of the encounter we'll talk about this afternoon is, is listening to the voice of God. And, it, and just listening to what he has to say to us. And it seems every time I do one of these, even if it's with a group of pastors, we'll start talking about listening and hearing the voice of God. And I start looking around the room, and I can see there are people looking at me like a, a deer looking at headlights. And I understand immediately, okay, there's a disconnect here. And so one of my burdens has been now for the last several years is just going back to the basics and saying, okay, let's, let's just talk about prayer. Because a lot of times we start talking about hearing the voice of God and we wonder about this thing called prayer. And I don't know why it shocks me when people look at me thinking, what's this listening look like? Because every statistic, every time they do this survey in the last 10 or 15 years, here's what they've discovered. When they survey Christians who are actively involved in church, they find out only about 30 to 35% have a daily time alone with God. Which means 65 to 70% of Christians are doing what many of us do. We pray on the go. We pray when crisis hits. We, we pray when we feel like we need to pray. Um, we, we, we pray um, when we just feel like we need God. And, and many of us maybe have never been taught about prayer. Maybe we, we've forgotten what prayer is. So I begin with a question that's on the screen. How's your prayer life? And I'm not asking you, do you have a quiet time? We're going to talk about that. I think, I think that's important to have a quiet time. But how is your prayer life? When's the last time you've opened the Word of God and the Scripture just kind of bounced off the page and you said, man, that's God speaking to me, and you've heard His voice in your spirit, and you've heard His prompting. If He spoke to you today, would you recognize it was Him speaking? See, these are all critical questions. And I'm not talking about that audible voice, but that inner man, you just know, okay, God is speaking to me through his word or through his spirit, and he's prompting me, and he's saying something to me. See, we're facing a major challenge in the church today. And the major challenge is that too many of us approach prayer as a one-sided conversation where we do all the talking and God does all the listening. But is that the biblical perspective of prayer? I am convinced that the reason that this amazing gift of prayer that God has given us, this amazing resource that is so underutilized, and the reason it's so underutilized is because it's just so misunderstood, and we're not really sure what to do with this, this thing called prayer, and, that's, and that is why our desire, whenever we do a rooftop encounter, and that's been my prayer all this week as I've been praying for this afternoon, I told God several days ago, I said, God, I don't want another prayer meeting. <laughs> I've been to too many prayer meetings. God, I want a moment when your people meet with you and you meet with us and you change our lives and you give us new eyes and we begin to see things that we've never seen before because you are giving us fresh insight. And my desire is even this afternoon that, that, that we will leave different, 
those of you that stand around and pray and come out and go with us, that you'll leave different because all of a sudden you realize, man, I've, I've got a fresh vision of my town, my neighborhood that I've never had before. And, and that's my heart for every Christian that we would see more and more believers become people of prayer who are pursuing the heart of God and they're hearing God's voice with clarity and they're hearing God's voice because they're walking in intimate fellowship with him every day. You know, Jesus has called us to an amazing mission. He said, listen, I want you every day to wake up and join me as I'm changing the lives of people around you where you live, work, and play. And I want you to be a part of that because every day you and I are surrounded by people that are close to us, but man, they are so far from God. And we have the greatest news in the world. We sang about it this morning. We have a Savior who died on the cross, paid for our sins, and guess what? He rose again. He's alive. And we get to tell people that we serve a living Savior, as the hymn says. And he's in the world today, and he's working, and he's all around us. But, but to do that, we have to be in tune with his voice. We have to be in tune with his heart. We have to be aware of where God's working, how he's working, how he's speaking. And the only way we can do that is by de developing this lifestyle of pursuing the heart of God daily. I always feel like I'm ignoring the choir because they're always behind me. But then I talk to you, and I ignore them. So... Let's talk about pursuing the heart of God. What does that look like to pursue the heart of God? So let's begin with what is prayer? Very simple question, what is prayer? Is prayer simply a means to acquire what we need from God? Or is it simply another spiritual activity we do so we can check off the box and say, hey, I prayed today, I've done what I need to do? Or is it more? Let me just say this to you with love. If your prayer life is nothing more than acquiring what you need from God and bringing him your list, if your prayer life is nothing more than having just a daily activity of prayer, then you're missing out on the greatest adventure of life, and that is walking with Jesus every day and having a relationship with him that is real and personal and knowing him and walking with him. I love what Oswald Chambers said in my utmost for his highest many years ago. When Oswald Chambers said these words, our common ideas regarding prayer are not found in the New Testament. We look upon prayer simply as a means of getting things for ourselves. But the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. God wants you to know him. And he wants you to know his voice and his heart. In John chapter 10, let's go back to that passage which, which um, Dave read a few moments ago. Because in this passage, Jesus talks about him being the good shepherd and us being the sheep. And he paints this picture of relationship and intimacy that he wants to have with us and us with him. Beginning in verse 1, let's look at those verses again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Man, I love that passage. I love what he says in verse 3 when he talks about the fact that it says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. In verse 4, when he talks about the fact that the sheep follow him for they know his voice. I had a friend several years ago, I was listening to him, and he was talking about a trip in Israel, and he was, had an opportunity to, to meet some shepherds. 
And he said it was a very interesting experience because at one point they brought all of their sheep together to have lunch together. So they have all the sheep together in the pen. And they're all eating together. And he said, I watched as they began to go back to work. And I would see a shepherd stand up and call his sheep. And the sheep would separate from the rest of the flock and follow him out of the pen. The other sheep wouldn't follow him because they didn't know his voice. And he watched shepherd after shepherd do that. And he said, that's when John 10 came to life for me. And I realized, man, that is so powerful Because you go on to verses 14 and 15 in that same chapter, and Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So you don't want to miss the significance of these verses, because what Jesus is telling us there is this. He's saying, listen, I know my own. And don't miss what he says in in this verse here. It's a powerful verse. If you look at... Verse 14 again, I'm the good shepherd. Don't miss this. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And what Jesus is saying there is this. He's saying, listen, the same intimacy that I and the Father have, I want to have with you. The same intimacy I have with my Father in heaven, I want to have with you. I mean, that is an amazing verse. Jesus says, I want you to know my voice. And it's vital that we understand that intimacy with God, which is simply knowing his heart, knowing his voice, the Bible says that's to be the norm for every believer, not just for people we consider super saints, not just for the Billy Grahams of the world. That's to be the norm for every follower of Christ. One of my favorite hymns, and some of you know it well, is in the garden. And the, and the chorus of that hymn, the writer of that hymn understood what Jesus is talking about here because that chorus, you know it, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. None other has ever known. And that's the way it's to be in every believer's life. So how do we develop that kind of intimacy, that kind of fellowship with God? It's through prayer, but not prayer as a means of getting things from God, not prayer as a a box to check off in our life. The first thing we need to understand about prayer is what's on the screen. Prayer is not something we do. It's never intended to be something we do. It's never intended to be a spiritual activity. It's about relationship. It's about intimacy. It's about hearing the voice of God. As a matter of fact, one of the things that that I'm constantly telling people is prayer is more about listening than listing. It's more about listening than listing. Because usually what happens, many of us go to prayer, and what do we have? We have our list. (laughs) Oh, oh man, God, I need you to do this today for me and this for this person. We have our list. But prayer is so much more than listening. It's about listening. So several years ago, I was, I was actually praying about prayer and said, God, you know, just help me to understand prayer. Help me to understand how to, how to explain it to people. Because sometimes I know it's, it's kind of like trying to nail jello to a wall. I mean, it just, you know, how do you explain this? And this is the words he gave me that day, and I wrote in my journal, to understand prayer so I could get my handle on it, and that is prayer is a lifestyle of fluid communion with God. It's a lifestyle of fluid communion. We'll talk about that. What does that look like, fluid communion with God? John Eldridge, who wrote Wild at Heart, said years ago, I love this phrase, that is conversational intimacy with God. It's a great phrase for prayer. 
conversational intimacy with God. It's, it's more than having a time in the morning or sometime in the day where you set aside time and just spend alone with God one-on-one in his word, and we all need to do that. But it's more than that. It's this lifestyle of walking with him and him walking with you and you talking with him and, and he's talking with you in every aspect of life. And we see this throughout scriptures. We see this all throughout scripture. You, you go through David's life, and how many times do you see David in the middle of war saying, God, do I attack this group of people? Do I attack this army? Do I stand still? And God telling him exactly what to do. You see it with Moses in Exodus 33 where it says, and God spoke to Moses face to face as with a friend. In Acts chapter 10, Peter on the rooftop is this conversation as he's seeking God and God is speaking into his life. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now, but John... I'm not Moses, (laughs) and I'm not King David, and boy, I'm not Peter. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to believe because here's the mistake we've made. We've taken guys like Moses and Peter and David and even the Billy Grahams of the world, and we've made them these super saints, the superheroes of the faith. And we immediately start thinking, well, yeah, of course they can have that kind of relationship with God. Look at who they are. I can never have a relationship with God like that. I'm not, I'm not Moses. But you know, the very reason that God in Scripture inspired the writers to show us how messed up these people were is to let us know that, listen, if they can have a relationship with me, so can you. You know, God shows us. I mean, Moses is a great leader, but man, man, he had, he had some issues. Um, you look at the life of Abraham. Abraham was a great leader called by God But he had a lying problem. You know, twice he lied to people about, no, she's not my wife, she's my sister. Um, So, so, you know, he could protect his own hide. I mean, and God shows us David's failures. So if you're one of those that says, hey, that's where I'm at, I want you to look at this passage in James 5. Toward the end of the book of James, James, the half-brother of Jesus, is writing, and he knows people are thinking. He knows people are thinking, you know, well, I'm not Elijah, I can't pray like that. But what does he say? He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruits. Don't miss that first phrase. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And what James is telling us there is this. Guess what? Elijah's no different than you. Matter of fact, in 1 Kings 18, we see Elijah on Mount Carmel, and man, he's calling fire from heaven. What happens in 1 Kings 19? He hears that Jezebel's coming for him and the guy's running for his life and he's depressed and he finds him in a cave saying, God, kill me. <laughs> because he's overwhelmed by the circumstances. And James says, listen, the same relationship Elijah had, you can have. And the same prayer life that Elijah had, you can have. God wants that for you. It's to be the norm for every, every believer. God wants you to know him. He wants you to walk in conversational intimacy with him. He wants you to walk him through the day, and he wants you to invite him into every detail of your life because God is just as concerned about the big things like cancer as he is the little things. God taught me that lesson when I was 17 years old. I just got in my class ring, getting ready for my senior year of high school, and I love that class ring. And the church I was going to in South Florida, it was, it was the winter time, if you can consider South Florida ever having winter time. Um, but we did a hayride. 
And the next morning, I realized my class ring was missing. And I knew, oh, goodness, I bet it came off in the hay. I remember I called the guy that morning, and I said, you know, we had the hay ride last night at church, and, and, and I can't find my class ring. Would you look? to see if you can find it, because I think it came off in the trailer. And I remember his words so well. He said, John, we, I will send some guys to look. But he said, we got two issues. We've already fed the hay to the cows. First issue. Second issue, the trailer has drainage holes in it. But he will look. And I remember as a 17-year-old boy going to God and saying, God, I know it's just a ring. I know I can even replace it, but it won't be the same ring. And I know it's not a big thing, but to me it is. I'm just going to ask that you show up and allow me to get that ring back. Mom and Dad told me, you know, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> don't get your hopes up. And I just said, no, I believe God's going to do something. Because I believe God cares about this. Because I care about it. And God just gave me faith to believe that he was going to do something. Went throughout that whole day, didn't ever hear from the guy. And just, just saying, I believe God's going to do something. Even saying, God, thank you. I just believe you're going to do something. Called the guy later that afternoon. It was probably about 4.30. And he picked up the phone, and he said, I was just about to call you. I said, okay. He said, um, I told one of my guys, I said, we've looked in that trailer today several times. And I was just about to call you, and I told one of my guys, would you just go look one more time before I call John and break his heart? He said, John, I don't know how this happened, but when he jumped on the back of the trailer, something was glistening in the corner of the trailer, sitting on a little tuff of hay, and it was your class ring. He says, I don't know how in the world we missed it. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if God went and to the stomach of a cow somewhere and, and said, okay, I'm going to send an angel and get, get the ring back. I don't I just know this. I got the ring back. And God reminded me that day as a seven-year-old boy, I care about the little things. And I want you to invite me into every aspect of your life. And that's what God wants us to have. But that kind of prayer doesn't just happen. Um, we have to develop it. We have to, to live this lifestyle it takes time and intentionality. So let me give you, as we wrap up, just a few things, things that you can do to develop a lifestyle of conversational intimacy with God. First of all, that first one is you just got to set time aside every day to be alone with God. That's so critical. It's, it's just like any relationship. You have to have time with a person if you're going to have a relationship with a person. And the heart of prayer is communion with God. It's fellowship with him. And this takes discipline because that means you're going to have to either get up earlier or stay up later. And you're going to have to set aside some time and say, I just want to open the word of God and I want to read the word and spend some time with the Father. I do it early in the morning before the world comes caving in on me and everything happens before the noise of life begins. And just have that time with the Bible just to hear the voice of God and let him speak to me through the word. Now, here's the warning about that. We live in a very performance-oriented culture in America, and so if you're not careful, you'll start thinking that this is a duty. You just have to remind yourself, no, this is about developing a relationship, and it's an awesome thought. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who said, let there be light, says, I want to spend time with you, because here's what's critical. Here's what's really cool about Scripture. It's not us inviting God to be with us and meet with us. It's us accepting his invitation for us to meet with him. 
Revelation 3.20, a verse that we often use evangelistically, we forget that when Jesus says these words, he's speaking to the church in Laodicea. When Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I'll come in and fellowship with him. Jesus says, I'm inviting you every day to spend time with me. Just spend some time with me. The second thing is this. You view this time alone as the beginning of your walk with him throughout the day. Because when you see your daily quiet time with God as an activity to be performed, then at the end of it, you say, okay, that was great, and you just move on. But when you realize this is the beginning of a walk with him throughout the day as I invite him into every aspect of my life, at the end of our prayers, we always say that word, amen, amen. Have you ever tried to figure out why do we say that? What does that mean? We don't say it to inform God we finished. <laughs> like we need to inform him that we're done praying. The word, the Hebrew word there, when we get amen, means this. Yes, so be it. Let this be so. And so at the end of our prayer, we come and say, I come to you in Jesus' name because it's only through him I can have access to you and everything we've prayed for, everything I've asked you about, and everything I've, I've, I've asked you about for my life and lives of others, and everything, God, that you've poured into my life through your word this morning, I say, yes, so be it today. Yes. Then the third thing is this. Use a devotional that will guide you to focus on the scriptures. You always want to pray over an open Bible. So you want to use a devotional tool that's going to help you focus on that. Upmost for his highest is one of the ones I've used for years. It's been around for centuries. It's an amazing devotional. Experiencing God Day by Day by Henry Blackaby that he wrote 30 or 40 years ago when Experiencing God came out, another amazing devotional. My, my first copy of it is in pieces. It just fell apart because I used it so much. If you're one of those that says, man, I like digital. I like something on my pad or on my app that I can use every day. You may want to write this down if you're one of those people. It's a great tool. I use it every day. It's called Lectio, L-E-C-T-I-O, Lectio 365. And it's a great daily devotional to walk through. It's developed by the 24-7 prayer movement in England. Um, I like to listen to their voices because I love British accents. And, and, but it's a great tool that gets you in the scripture and guides you through a time of prayer. And, and if you're one of those parents and you're saying, man, I wish I had a tool for my family that we could do something together because I'm just having trouble with this wanting to pray with my kids and our, us as a family, they just came out with Lectio 365 for Families as an app, which is an amazing app. Gives you a great tool to use with your kids in praying together. So find that devotional. One more thing, read books that focus on prayer day as a daily walk with God. Just find some books on prayer that help you understand what prayer is. The two that God has used in my life, um, this one here, John Eldridge. Um, this is a new copy because my original copy is in shattered pieces as well. Um, Walking with God, John Eldridge, who wrote Wild at Heart. This is a great book. It's his journal for a year. It's just a journal saying, here's what it looks like to walk with God. Walking with God. Here's what it looks like to have conversational intimacy. And this book is a fairly new book. Um, came out just several months ago, written by Brian Heasley, um, whom I've had the opportunity to get to know some from England. It's called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. This is the best book I've ever read on how to have a quiet time. And it's just creative, it's simple, but he says, hey, this is what it looks like to walk with God each day. It's amazing. And then the last thing I would say is this. Spend time with people of prayer. 
Spend time with people of prayer. Now, all of us have that person. You probably have them on speed dial. That when something comes up, that's the first person you call to pray. Because you know that person prays. And you know when they pray, God sits up on the throne and listens. Because they just have this incredible relationship with God. Some of you are thinking of names right now in your head. Two or three people that you know. These are prayer warriors. And you know whenever crisis hits, I need to reach out to them and say, pray for me. I encourage you to get along with those people. And say, would you just tell me about your prayer life? Because passion is more caught than taught. Man, would you just, I, I, you know, it's amazing. Several people I know that are prayer warriors, I've asked them, so how did you develop this relationship with God that you're just, you know, learning how to pray? And they said, because I found a mentor that I prayed with. And I watched them pray. And I listened to them pray. And that's how I learned. So you find those people of prayer. This afternoon, we're going to be praying. But I want to share this message because, first of all, if you are a follower of Christ and, and your prayer life is on the go, in the truck, in the car, when crisis arises, I want to encourage you, even start at 15 minutes a day and just find some time to be with God. Open the Bible, read a psalm, read Gospel of John, just open the Word of God and read some scripture and say, God, just speak to me and share your heart with him. Just start 15 minutes a day. If you're already one of those people that says, man, I meet with God every day, press in and press on, my friend. Just make it richer, make it deeper. And learn how to walk with him throughout the day. Use some of the tools I've mentioned and keep on pressing in. Becoming that person of prayer that God wants you to be. But if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, even that begins with prayer. Have you come to that place in your life where you know that you know that if you were to die today, you would be with Jesus in heaven? Do you know that? Have you ever come to that place in your life where you said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you because I know that I've sinned, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you died on that cross for my sin and gave your life for me and conquered the grave so I could have life for everlasting. Have you ever trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Today can be that step to begin that relationship that becomes a lifetime relationship that began for me 50 years ago in this church of knowing him who gave his all for you. And so today, we're gonna invite you, and we have our invitation here in just a moment. If, if you're one of those that says, man, I just don't know, but I want to know. You may be this close, and Jesus is just waiting for you to step out and say yes. Yes, yes. We're going to have a time of invitation, and Pastor Dave will be here, and you can just, just come and say, I need Jesus. I just want to say yes today. The altar's here. If you feel led to come to the altar and spend some time in prayer with God and say, God, just give me a deeper, greater heart to know you. Because this is where it begins. And this afternoon, we're going to take that prayer to just an, another level of just walking around and saying, God, help us to see what you see. Because he wants to. Listen, God is, can't wait to show you what he sees when he sees Crawfordville this afternoon. Um, he's more excited about this afternoon than probably most of us are because he can't wait to give us his eyes. But if you don't know Jesus, oh, my friend, 
Don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait another second. Give your life to him today. Just come and say, Brother Dave, I just need Jesus. Today could be the day that changes your eternity forever and ever and ever. And, 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 and maybe you're just not ready yet and just want to talk to somebody about the next step. I'm mentoring a college student now, and he's about this close. <laughs> he's this close. And, and I, know it's, I know that that time's coming, and so we're just kind of walking through the journey. What does that look like to know, to know Jesus? So it's, it's you. It's about today. You drawing closer So let's pray as we get time for a time of invitation. Father, oh, we love you. We thank you so much for the gift of prayer. God, forgive me for all the times in my life I have neglected it and I haven't set the time aside and I've gotten too busy and and God, I, I know that. I know I have and Father, have mercy on me. But God, today, for every one of my precious brothers and sisters in this worship center, I pray, oh, give us all a greater hunger for prayer, a greater heart for prayer. And for anyone who's sitting under the sound of my voice right now, and they aren't sure if they really know you, Jesus. They're not sure if they're saved. Or maybe they know for certain they're not, but they know that they want you. They need you. So today I pray, God, do what only you can do. Just come, convict, stir, and move. And God, we just give you all the glory. Give you all the glory for what you're going to do in these moments of invitation today. Just thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us into relationship with you. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.